0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wubi, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Okay, good evening, everybody. It is so wonderful to be back here on Musur Mondays. Uh, and we are in the middle of the first chapter of Mesilat Yesharim. So last week we discussed that Hashem took Adam and showed him all of what was in the Garden of Eden. It says, enjoy from it all. Don't destroy any of it. What does it mean, don't destroy? Because there's some parts you're not supposed to touch. What is that? Don't touch that tree. Everything else you should enjoy. So what the Ramchal is telling us here, he's saying, he's saying that we have an entire world that we are meant to enjoy from. We are meant to enjoy from this world. But don't ruin it. Don't destroy it. And he says, that we go, just go. He says, the sages of blessed memory informed us about this principle in, in Midrash Kohelis. For they said as follows The verse states, Observe God's deeds, for who can straighten what has been twisted? This teaches that when the Holy One, God, blessed is He created Adam, the first man, He took him and led him around all the trees of the Garden of Eden. And he said to Adam, See my deeds, how nice and praiseworthy they are. And all that I created, I created for you et Take care that you do not degrade and destroy my world. So whatever we have in this world, we mention this with regard to other, other things, that there's no pleasure in the world that God didn't make possible for a human being in a kosher way. Right? People say, oh, shellfish, oh, pork, oh, whatever it is, okay? So there is a parallel to it, which is kosher. And the Talmud goes and discusses exactly what fish can taste like like pig if you feel like you're missing out on something. This is actually a verse. This is a verse in in, in Ecclesiastes 7.13 that's teaching us that we have to look into God's world, that all of what God created is for us to enjoy. Our job is to enjoy it, but in the right measure to enjoy it in the right way so that we don't ruin it. Because if we enjoy from this world, if we take pleasure from this world and don't use it properly, we're essentially destroying it. The world, the pleasure, everything. We have to be very, very careful to use what God gave us properly. Klalosh <laughs> where Ramchal summarizes what he has taught so far and cites numerous additional proofs. Klalosh <laughs> the general principle is as follows. Mankind was not created for our situation in this world. Contrary to what most of the world believes, most of the world thinks we're here for here. We're here to enjoy ourselves in this physical world, and that's the purpose of our existence. No. Ramchal says no. That's not why we're here. We're here for a totally different purpose, and that is, Elah, rather, for his future situation in the world to come. However, man's situation in this world is the means to reach the situation in the world to come, which is the ultimate goal. So that means like this. The ultimate purpose of why we're here is to get our place in the world to come. I'll give you an example. Does anybody play football just because they like the game? Or does or do people play because they want to win the championship? Because they want to win the Super Bowl? They don't just play football because, yeah, it's a nice sport. It, pay, it pays well. Ultimately, everybody wants that final goal. Bringing home the trophy. That's why they play. This is what it's for. It's to bring home that Super Bowl, World Series, whatever it is. So now, if you ask a player the first game of the season, so what's the purpose of this game? What's the purpose of this game? The purpose of this game is not this game. It's to it's, it's to the it's to, to get us Bowl for Bowl. the win at the end of the season. But if someone only looks at this game as being the only game that's important, it's right now because it's this game, then they're missing the, they're missing the point. So this world is not about this world. This world is one of is that first game. That's heading us in the direction of winning the pennant. It's winning the Super Bowl. Where is that Super Bowl. That's the world to come. So all of the challenge that we're going to have in our lives, and everyone has challenges. Anyone who doesn't have, let me know. You're probably dead. Okay? (laughs) We all have challenges. All of those challenges are for one reason. Prepare us for the world to come. We are here for the world to come. You know, the story, I've said this numerous times. I'll repeat it again very, very quickly. This guy was very, very poor and he tells his wife, You know, I heard that there's a far away uh, island where I can get, it's all full of diamonds. Everywhere you walk, there's diamonds all over. So he tells his wife, Should I do this? But only there's one problem. It takes three years to travel there. And every three years, you can, you can get back. So it's going to be a total of nine years. He's going to travel there three years is to wait three years to come back for another three years of travel back. It's a long time, nine years a long time to be away from the kids. She says, listen, we're so broke, we're so poor, just go. So he goes, and indeed it's true. After three years, everyone's talking the whole boat ride over to this island. They're talking about all the riches and what they're going to come back with, and finally they get there, he comes with these two big duffel bags, and he gets there, loads them up with diamonds, and now he's just waiting. See, he checks into a hotel. And they say, what are you here for? He says, I'm, I'm here. What do you mean? I'm, I'm just waiting for another three years to go back. Okay, no problem. We'll get you a hotel room for three years. Not a problem. How are you going to pay for this? He says, what do you mean? I've got tons of diamonds. I can pay with diamonds. I'm sorry, diamonds. This isn't worth anything in this island. He says, what is worth anything here? Over here in this island, it's only coconuts. I hey, coconuts. So you open up, he says, what, how do I get coconuts? He says, you start working and you get, you open up a coconut account and you eventually <laughs> pay with coconuts and you look like an honest person, will trust you. He checks into the hotel and he starts working, starts bagging groceries in the local supermarket and they pay him every month. They pay him with coconuts and he's so good. He becomes the manager, eventually he becomes the owner. He opens up other businesses before he knows it, it's only one year and he's doing so well. And the second year, he's even doing, he's, he's like a multi-millionaire. He's got so many coconuts in his account. It's really incredible. And he, he eventually, he doesn't even know how he's going to get all those coconuts back home. It's like, so he's so wealthy. <laughs> okay. So at the end of three years, he's you know packs as many coconuts into his bag as possible. And he travels all the way back home. He gets back home, and he's so excited to see his wife and children. And they're all so excited to see him. He sees his little child who was three years old is now 12 years old, about to have his bar mitzvah, his older kids, and it's just, they grown, it's just so beautiful, and they're so excited to see all of the riches he got, and he opens up these big duffel bags, and all the coconuts come come out. He's <laughs> like, what's going on? Where, where are the diamonds? He says, what are you talking about? Diamonds isn't worth anything. It's all coconuts. You see, the problem is, is that we come into this world, and God tells us, you're going to this world to get real diamonds, to get mitzvahs, to do as many good deeds as possible. But everyone says, yeah, yeah not in this world. In this world, it, mitzvahs don't count that much. It's really money. It's these green things, these green pe- paper things. That's what really counts, right? So people run their whole lives after this green thing. And when they're actually coming back to heaven, they're coming with all this green dollars. But that's not the real currency. The real currency of the diamonds, the gems of our mitzvahs that we, that we perform. It's a frightening thought. That we can invest our entire lives in something which isn't even valuable. We invested in cars. We invested in, in, in fashion. People are investing so much in external things. Things that are not going to be worth anything in the world to come. They aren't worth anything. They come and they go. What the Torah tells us, and what we see here through the teaching of Ramchal, is that a person must stay focused. What am I here for? And you know what? It's not going to make you the popular kid in class. It's not going to make you the popular person in your neighborhood, in your community. We are here. We should be laser-focused on the world to come. We have to be conscious of that on a daily basis. We're not here for here. We're here for the world to come. What do I do to get my place in the world to come? We have a Torah to learn, a Torah to observe, a Torah to keep, a proper way to act. All of these teachings that are in our Torah. He says like this. Therefore, you will find many statements of our Sages of Blessed Memory, all in the same style. Comparing this world to the place and time for preparation. And the world to come as a place of rest from labor and a place of consumption of enjoyment, of what was already prepared in this world. So think of it like this. The world that we're in right now, this is the world of preparation. The world to come, that's the world of whatever you prepared, you'll have. Whatever you didn't prepare, you won't have. Anybody here try to not prepare dinner and have it ready? Doesn't work. If you wanna have dinner, you have to prepare. You have to remember to defrost, whatever you need to, right? You know, you're the chef, right? You have to know that if you want to eat dinner, you're going to have to prepare. And it's the same with every other meal. Guess what? If we want to enjoy the world to come, we have to prepare. What are we doing to prepare? Every mitzvah that we do. Not only that, it says that there's no reward for the mitzvahs we, get, we do in this world. Any mitzvah you do in this world, there's no reward for it. You know Why? Because this world can't possibly encompass enough reward for one mitzvah. This world isn't enough reward for one mitzvah. All of the pleasures, it says, that one moment in the world to come, one single solitary moment of the world to come, is more pleasurable than all of the accumulative pleasure of the entire world combined. So think about this, okay? Anybody here experience pleasure ever? Yeah, everyone, raise your hand. Yes, okay, so so we'll go around. You tell me, you don't have to say, okay, tell me food, what was the greatest food you've tasted? right, in the past week, it's like, ah, you open it up, it's like, it's delicious, right? So think of that pleasure. Then we have vacation pleasure. Then we have other types of physical pleasure. We have music pleasure. We have, you know, people like, anybody like dancing? I don't, okay? So whoever likes to dance, it's also a pleasure, right? Think of all of those pleasures accumulated together from your own experience, plus all of the the pleasurable experiences of every other person in the entire world, it doesn't equal even one single moment of pleasure in the world to come. That's how much pleasure it is. This world can't embody the type of pleasure you get from a, a, from a perfect mitzvah. So that's why I say just tell us. There's no reward that's appropriate enough for a mitzvah in this world. You can't. This world can't can, because we're so physical. There's no way for a pleasure of a mitzvah, a reward for a mitzvah, to be given in this world. It's not possible. You know, it says that that it says that the righteous are receiving reward in the world to come. It says they have crowns on their head, and there are these beautiful scenic views around them, and the birds are chirping, and it's like, and they're sitting in the presence of the Almighty without any interruption. And they're enjoying and basking in the closeness with Hashem. No greater pleasure in the world. Amazing. The Ramchal continues here. And this is what the sages meant when they said, This world is similar to a vestibule before the world to come. You know, there's a little hallway before you enter into the, into the big ballroom. This world is the hallway. The world to come is that ballroom. That's where that's where all the action's happening. Kmosha Kasati as I have written above earlier. Hayoma Sotam Machar Today we do the work. Tomorrow we get the reward. Today in this world is the time when we do them, the mitzvahs, and tomorrow in the world to come is the time when we receive reward for fulfilling them. Mish Tarach Shabbos Erev Shabis Shabbos. The Talmud in Avodah Zarah 3a says, whoever toils before Shabbos will have what to eat on Shabbos. Right? We know we can't cook on Shabbos. So whatever we cook till Shabbos is what we'll have for Shabbos. You forgot to turn the light on? Whoops. Sorry. Now you're not going to have a light. Right? We have routines. I have a routine. My children, if you remember, my daughter produced a video of preparing for Shabbos. Part of it is cook, is prepare, is is shopping for Shabbos and the cooking for Shabbos. But one of my children has a job of going around the house and turning on and off all the lights that need to be on for Shabbos or off for Shabbos. Have one of my children who's in charge to, you know, those automatic thermostats that we have. His job is to turn the settings so that it doesn't turn on when you pass by. Because right? they're they're motioned to they have motion sensors. You turn that setting off. And another child has it turning off all the devices. All the devices turn off. The phones are off, not, not just plugged in and you know turned upside down. Off. Power off. Shabbos, we're disconnecting. But again, you have to be preparing for that. Because the minute Shabbos is in, that's it. There's no more preparation. You're locked in you're locked in, that status quo kicks in. This is the way it's going to be. What's set is set, what's not set is not set. But whoever did not toil on the eve of Shabbos, if you didn't prepare for Shabbos, for more will you eat on Shabbos? Once Shabbos kicks in, how are we going to eat if we didn't prepare? How can we How can we enjoy pleasure as a reward for what we've done in this world if we didn't do enough on this world? It's a big problem. So this world is a place where we need to invest as much time as we can on the world to come. Imagine if you spent the 10 minutes a day, you know, it's now next 10 minutes, I'm just investing in the world to come. How? I'm going to do selfless things. I'm going to help people. I'm going to, I'm going to call someone, make them encourage them, visit the sick, whatever it is. Find something you can do for someone else. Yes? You know, I always say I, 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 I would like to, Consider myself a hoarder of mitzvahs. When I, when I, if someone gives me an opportunity to do a mitzvah, I'll say yes, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't fit my schedule. Because I want a mitzvah, I want an opportunity to do something else, right? To, to, to do another. So, so yes, so you're right. It's sometimes going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not going to fit into your schedule. Sometimes it's not going to be, but you do it. You're being God-like. God visited Abraham. Your job is to go visit the sick. Abraham was sick. You go visit sick people, whether or not they, they're able to communicate with you. I've had numerous times where I came to visit a sick person or sick people, and they were either sleeping or they were getting tests in a different, different place. And they said, oh, it's going to be a two-hour test. It's going to be, you know. So I left a card just telling them I love you. I was here. You know, let me know when I can come back. Say, so just say, don't worry about it. You can do it for reward. It's not a problem. You don't have to do everything altruistically. Because not everyone can do things altruistically, but here's the thing. the Talmud says, "Do it, Shaloma, do it for non- altruistic reasons because it will lead to eventually do it for altruistic purposes. Yes. yes. yeah, you know what sometimes people do charity, people give charity because I feel bad it, or it makes me feel good. See oh so because it because it bothers you or because you because it makes you feel good. Is that because you care about them? No. It's because you have a, a pain in your heart seeing someone like that, so you want to comfort yourself, so you give them something, so they're just your your pawn. You just don't, no, you should be doing it for the right purpose. What's the right purpose? I care that this person is hungry. I care for them. Forget how I feel. That's true altruism. But you know what? We're not all there. I'll tell you an amazing story. There is a great rabbi in Israel. I'm not going to say his name. But because I'm not one thousand percent sure that this true story is true, but um I heard it from a second hand source. So he opened up about a hundred yeshivas, a hundred yeshivas and kolos, colals for married men where they give a stipend, and he raises enormous sums of money, enormous sums of money. And it's like he's like one of the biggest institutions in Israel. Right, opening up more and more yeshivas. He went to a great rabbi, one of the big big rabbis, and he said to the rabbi, the rabbi asked him, he says, how much of what you're doing is altruistic and how much is it just for your own honor? So he said, 95% is for my own honor, 5% is altruistic. He says, it's a pity, you should do 100% for your own honor and then you would open up more yeshivas. (laughs) You know what, sometimes that's the motivator. Is it feels good? Okay. You don't not do good deeds because you're gonna get some own, your own personal pleasure out of it. Don't regret the good yeah, deeds yeah. you do because yeah. it makes you feel good yeah. that you're doing good, good deeds. Yeah, On the so contrary. contrary. On the contrary. He says, mitzvah mitzvah, the reward of a mitzvah is doing a mitzvah. Sometimes there's a there's a benefit to it. Hopefully always is a benefit to it. But not always is it seen. It's not always seen. Sometimes you have to wait until after 120, to see how great your deeds were. And most of us don't appreciate the good deeds we do. We think, oh, I'm not that righteous, I'm not that good, I'm not, you know, I did it for myself. I did. Hashem sees the, the, the reasons, Hashem sees the the intention, Hashem sees the real, real person in there, that, and why why we do the things we do. The Ramchal continues here, וְהַּלָּמָהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַהַה this world is, is analogous of the dry land and the world to come is like the ocean. Right. You ever go on a cruise? And as you get on the cruise, they move the boat, they get off the, off, they, 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 how do you call it? D, dock. I don't know what they, the right? They stay, they start moving. <laughs> and then you like, you hear the, the, the loud horn of the, of the, of the, uh, of the ship. And you're like, I forgot my sunglasses in the car, (laughs) right? Guess what? It's too late. Can we just go back for one minute? I forgot my ice bag in the, in the the trunk. Too bad, (laughs) right? Sorry. Once our life ends in this world, we can't say, I forgot to do uh, a good deed. It doesn't make a difference what you forgot. It doesn't make a difference. It's over. Finished. We've, we've moved on. And that's what we have to constantly remember. This world is very limited. I heard a, a tragic story on Sunday um, that uh, someone was, uh, an older woman was, was, I guess, merging onto the highway. She was a little bit early and she another car hit her. Instant, she passed away. We don't know when our last day is going to be. So every day, the Mishnah tells us, every day, consider it your last day. Every day, it says, because the Mishnah says, "Repent one day before you die." It's a great, very, very poetic, right? Repent one day before you die, because we don't know when that day is going to be, right? So always be in a state of repentance. Always be in a day in a state of clearing up the accounts, because we don't know when it's going to end. If one does not prepare on dry land, what will he eat sea, at sea? If you don't prepare your bags. What, it's going to be too late. There are many more statements by the sages along this line. The Ramchal continues as follows. Having cited ample proof to this to his principle from the words of the sages, Ramchal proceeds to show that it is not even logically possible to think otherwise. That we're just here for here. And you should truly realize that that no person with half intelligence can believe that the purpose of man's creation is for a situation in this world, for here. You have to be very compromised in your mind to think that we're here in this world for here. For what is life's person uh, a life of a person worth in this world? Oh me, who is genuinely happy and tranquil in this world? Huh? Yeah, anybody here meet anyone who's like perfect life? Anybody? Nobody. Some people have illnesses, some people have ailments, some people have tragedy, some people have pain, some people have suffering, some people have poverty. Everyone's got something. Everybody. If we're here for here, then nobody should have any problems. So why do we have problems? Why do we have pain? Why do we have suffering? Why do we have illnesses? Each one is a message from the Almighty guiding us on the track we need to get to reach our perfection. He says, "Yemeish He brings a verse from 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 Psalms. behem shivim shana v'im shana amal ve'aven. He says the verse states, "The days of our years among them are seventy years, and if with strength, eighty years. Their proudest success is but toil and pain." Our days are filled with so many types of pain, sicknesses, aches, and problems. And after all of this pain and all of this suffering, what happens? We die. Perfect. Khal says, is it possible for anyone to think with the right mind that we're here for here? For all of this challenge, that's why we're here? He says, even one person in a thousand will not be found, who can say that this world gave him abundant pleasures and true tranquility. Not even one in a thousand can say, Yeah, this world was just perfect. Ah, oh, what a great life. No, nope, not even one in a thousand. And even that person, that one in a thousand? Should he live to the ripe old age of 100? It is as if he has already passed and departed from this world. It is thus not possible to think that man was created for the objective of enjoying this world. This world, yeah, there are some pleasurable things. There are some aspects of it that are great. There are some that are extremely... You know, are, are high points, but as a general rule, a general principle, it's hard work. It's hard work, <laughs> even if you're on the right path, you're on the you're on the right track, to go and do the will of Hashem constantly. It still has plenty of challenges, yes. a lot of letdown. I'm thinking, my grandfather, my grandfather. Okay, I would say it was like perfect. Perfect, perfect Jew worked hard his whole life, becoming the best possible servant of Hashem. Was he always happy? Or did he always feel his life was pleasurable? Was he never sick? I'm talking about a person who spent his whole life focusing on the world to come, focusing on perfecting his ways here so that he can get all the reward in the world to come. It still had challenges. So. We have to be careful from falling into a, a a potential trap. Some people think, oh, well, if you uh if you kept Shabbos, you wouldn't have any issues. Oh, plenty of people keep Shabbos and have issues. One has nothing to do with the other. It's how much are we willing to invest in Hashem's world versus our own world? Hashem gives us a manual and tells us if you want to maximize that pleasure in the world to come, this is the book. We can try to figure it out on our own. Not likely. Not likely. So, we're constantly going to be facing challenges. There are those who decide to take the other pill, and they prefer just forgetting about everything, living in oblivion, let me just enjoy the pleasures I can, I can get, and that's it. And what I get, I get. And what I don't, I don't. And that's it. I'll just live with that. Versus someone who says, no, I want to maximize my relationship with Hashem. I want to uh, do the best I can do to get as much reward as I can in the world to come. And that is the purpose of every Jew. That's what should be our purpose, is to, is to invest every ounce of strength we have in seeking the greatest pleasure possible in the world to come. How? That's what we have a Torah for. The Torah gives us all of the the guidelines of everything we need in order to get our place in the world to come. There is, there is a, 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 um, a midrash that says that God has a crown and every, every nishama is a gem from that crown. Now, my father worked in diamonds for many years. Anybody heard of an enhanced diamond? Yeah? yeah? Anybody knows what an enhanced diamond is? So does anybody anybody know that diamonds have imperfections? Yeah. I know. I know most girls who get engaged don't want to hear that. They would think that their diamonds are perfect and there's no imperfection. But if you look really carefully with a loop, uh, you'll see there are many imperfections. There are little spots. there a little cloud. And the cleaner, the better color, the better clarity uh, a, a diamond has, the more expensive it is. And the larger the, the the carrot, right? What they can do is they can infuse into a diamond a certain chemical, and that enhances it, removes some of that impurities that are in that in that gem. So you have a diamond, yeah. So now you can either buy fake, you can buy a CZ, and you can buy a fake diamond, and then it just looks like it's just, but it's fake. But then you have you want to have a real diamond. But you want it to be authentic, you want it to be, but guess what? Sometimes you just can't afford it. You can't afford a beautiful perfect di- diamond. So you know what you're gonna do? You can bring it into the diamond dealer and you tell them, listen, I want you to enhance this stone, and they'll infuse it with whatever chemical necessary, and it'll look nicer. We all are a diamond. Diamonds aren't perfect. Diamonds are not perfect. We have blemishes. We have certain, you know, we can have a little arrogance, we can have a little jealousy, we can have a little bit of, you know, selfishness, we can have a little bit of, you know, many different, different imperfections. So you know what we need to do throughout our lifetime? Throughout our lifetime, we need to infuse... With the chemical. What's that chemical? Is the mitzvah is to change those traits, to not be jealous. That's what we're learning. Musr is these, it's a chemical. Musur is the chemical to perfect those imperfections. So that by the time we're done, we can take that gem, it could be perfect and sparkly, so that God can bring it back to his put it back in his crown. God sends us with that gem and says, I want you, I'm going to give you all of the tools you need. Cleanse that stone to perfect it so that I can put it back in my crown. That's why we're here. We're here to perfect that stone. So, right. The problem is we get caught up in the dollars. We get caught up in all the other things and in, in becoming famous and becoming, you know, becoming actors, career, whatever it is. And we, we, we don't realize that our real job is to cleanse and perfect that stone, that, that, that soul that we have. And in perfecting our soul, what we're doing is we're, we're finding a way to become capable of going right back into God's crown and sparkling the way we should. You know, now there are some people who have the, the merit or the privilege that they can do shock treatment on that diamond because we know the story in the Talmud where someone did repentance, he repented, and in one second, right? So he had shock treatment. Most of us need to sit and scrub and, 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 and work hard on overcoming our negative traits so that we can perfect it. But we have to remember something. God gives you the tools you need to perfect your soul. And God gives you a different set of tools to perfect your soul. And every person has their own set of tools. Anybody ever, ever call a plumber? You call a plumber, right? So what do, how does a plumber come? It comes with the plumber tools. Imagine the plumber comes with, uh, with uh, dentistry tools. Is he going to be able to fix your, your, your leak? Is he going to be able to, no, but he doesn't have the right set of tools. How about if your electrician comes with the, uh, with the scalpel and a, uh, right? And, 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 and the, the tools you need in a certain, in an operating room. Right? Is he going to be able to uh, fix your electricity? No. Everyone has their own tools that are needed for them to accomplish their purpose, their mission. Each one of us, we can't think, "Oh, it's so easy for me to overcome my jealousy or my arrogance." You should find a way to do it. It should be pretty easy for you. Well, guess what? They have a different set of tools. They have a different set of of, of challenges. So we—it's why the the, the Gaon of Vilna says to be very, very careful before we just um, freely listen to someone's criticism. He says, be careful when you listen to criticism about yourself. Not because you shouldn't learn. On the contrary, it says also in Proverbs that you reprimand the wise man and he'll thank you. He'll love you for it. Why? Why will he love you for it? Because you're helping him become a better person. But guess what? Not everyone likes to hear it. Notwithstanding what the, what, 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 what the, uh, what King Solomon tells us in Proverbs that we love the criticism. He says, be cautious. Does that person really know you? Does that person really know your, your capabilities, your tools, your strengths, your weaknesses? Do they really know you? Because it would be a terrible thing if someone says, you know, you really need to work on your jealousy. You're really not a jealous person. Spend 10 years overcoming a trait that you don't Need to work on now. Everyone has a need to work on all of our traits and refresh them. My grandfather uh, had a, a a cycle that he would talk about in his in his lectures. Probably I don't know. I I never kept track of it, but he would get back to certain topics, you know, in some some form of of cycle, because he was talking about his own traits, about what he needed to work on. So whatever he needed to work on was the topic he was going to talk about. Talmud tells us that Koha posel posel. if you uh, reprimand someone, it's your own self that you see that flaw in. We don't realize sometimes the reason why we get upset about when someone does something else is because it's a flaw that we have in ourselves. It's our own flaw that we're seeing, but we're just able to point it at them. Hey, look at them. Right? You shouldn't be doing that. You know you really shouldn't. Right. Because, uh, you know, it's really your own fault. Something to, 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 note. We're not here for a free ride. We're here to accomplish. We're here to do the things that we need to do. We're here to, to, um, to change the great Musa yeshivas back in Europe. They used to have a saying. We don't want you to become better. We want you to change. That was, this, that was the goal of the yeshiva. Uh, don't try to become some tzaddik, some righteous person. Don't, don't, don't try to become all holy. Change. You know how difficult it is to change one trait? Someone who has anger and is able to overcome anger and never be angry again? You know how difficult that is? The, it's that, I'll tell you how difficult it is. It's so difficult that Rabbi Saul Salanter, the founder of the Muslim movement, said that it's easier to finish and complete the entire Talmud than to change one trait. If you learn one folio a day, it would take you seven and a half years. It's easier to study the entire Talmud than to change one trait. It's a very, very difficult challenge. Every person has negative, negative traits. Every person has traits that need to be repaired and to be modified. It's a lot of work. That's our job here to become as godlike as possible. Let's continue. The second logical argument. Of a low ode. And not only that,. But if the purpose of man's creation was for the sake of his situation in this world, lo Nishama kolkach Yuna, then there would be no need for such a distinguished and elevated soul to be blown into him. If we're just here for here, what do we need such a lofty soul for? That, that soul is so great, a soul that would be greater than even the angels themselves. Kol shekane. Shehi eina shum Certainly, since it finds no contentment in all the pleasures of this world. Why would we put a soul? The soul, it works on, on, on spiritual currency. Why would something that only is fulfilled with spiritual currency be put into a world which is all physical currency? Doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a lofty soul that is so holy be put into you if the only currency it deals with is spiritual currency? Because we're here to fulfill a mission not only in this world, but for the world to come. So that soul will get its actual reward in the world to come. It's actually interesting the reason why cremation is a terrible thing. Because our sages tell us that when we have the time of resurrection, the body and the soul are reunited. And if the body was burnt to a crisp in cremation, there's no body and soul to be reunited. It's just a soul. And the soul is devastated. It doesn't have a body now. So why is it important for the body and soul to reunite? I'll tell you why. Because... We're standing in front of the heavenly court. And we say, you know, I did 55 pounds of good deeds. Okay, so God says, no problem. Let's take that neshama. Let's take that soul. And let's give that soul its reward. And the body says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't I get any reward? That's not fair. I slept you out of bed. It's not like the soul did all everything itself. The body did good. Right, The body worked hard to earn that money to give the charity. And you're taking all the credit as if you, the soul, did everything yourself. That's why the body and soul get reunited, because they're partners. So it's not just our body needs to be subservient to the soul. The soul wants to do these good deeds. The body needs to help. If the body is too indulgent in the physical ple- pleasures of this world, it's not going to, f- to listen to the soul. What's if someone passed away at a young age? Passed away at 35 years old, God forbid. Leftover little children. Those children end up outliving their father by double, triple his age, right? So they, the child passes away 95 years old. So the child passed away 95, the father at 35. Comes the time of resurrection. The father is 35. The sun is 95. Yeah. So what's going to happen? It's going to be a, bit, it's going to be very, very funny. So my rabbi said, that's what we say in the Sheh HaMa'alot, in the, in the, in the, in the verses from Psalms that we say right before we, we say the Bekat HaMazon, the grace after meals. It says, Azim Eschok Pinu Osho He says, then, when the time of resurrection, our mouths will be filled with laughter. Right? It's going to be so It's going to be hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> right? let you see. You're the father? Well, I'm the son? What second? I'm, I'm the grandfather. You're the right. It's going to be all craziness that's going to go on over there. It's going to be so funny. People are going to be sitting laughing. It's going to be the father who's the young kid and the, the son who's the, it's like, it's going to be either way. But we don't, we don't, we don't, I, I don't know at least all the details of that. But again, I would say address these esoteric questions to Rabbi Cohn, our in house Kabbalist. Look, it's not a game. It's a real, it's a real serious thing. Life is a responsibility. It's a privilege. And we have to do the best we can do. God doesn't expect us to do what we can't. He expects us to do what we can. So let's, let's make the best of it. My friends, it's been a real honor and a pleasure. It's so much, it brings me so much joy to be back here. I look forward next week to another Muslim Monday.